Vishnupad Paramhamsa Parivraja Kacharja Ashsotara Sata Shri Srimad Asi Bhaktivranta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Anantakota Vaishna Vrindaki All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories, all glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga All glories to Srila Prabhupada Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Omagyana Timarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmirtam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadatitswa Padantikam. When will Srila Rupa Goswami, who was 
Established within this material world, the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet. Vancha kalpa tarubhyasya kripa sindhubhyevacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namo namaham. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhaktivrinda I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit, Shri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I pray that Sri Radha Kalachanji, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Gurudev use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give me the words to serve the Vaishnavas listening. I'm Jay Sri Radhe Devi Dasi. Today is Tuesday, July 27, 2021, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 8, Prayers by Queen Kunti and Parikshit Saved, Text 45. Sambadam iti upa mantra Pravishya gajashaha vam Shriyascha swapuram yashyan Premna rajna nivarita Sampadamiti upa mantra Pravishya gajashavayam Shriyascha swapuram yashyan Premna rachna nivardrita Sampadam iti upa mantra Pravishya gajasayavam Jyascha swapuram yashyan Premna nivarita Sampadamuti upamantriya Pravishya gajasavayam Shriyascha swapuram yashyan Premna rajdani varita Sam All those Badam Accepted. Iti. Thus. Upa mantra. Subsequently informed. Pravishya. Entering. Gaja sahav savyam. The place of Hastinapur. Shriyacha. Other ladies. Swapuram. Own residence, 
Yeshan, while starting for Remna, with love, Rajna, by the king, Nivarita, stopped. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Thus, accepting the prayers of Srimati Kunti Devi, the Lord subsequently informed other ladies of his departure by entering the palace of Hastinapur. But upon preparing to leave, he was stopped by King Yudhisthir, who implored him lovingly. Purport. No one could make Lord Krishna stay at Hastinapur when he decided to start for Dwarka, but the simple request of King Yudhisthir that the Lord remain there for a few days more was immediately effective. This signifies that the power of King Yudhisthira was loving affection, which the Lord could not deny. The Almighty God is thus conquered only by loving service and nothing else. He is fully independent in all his dealings, but he voluntarily accepts obligations by the loving affection of his pure devotees. So this is a very interesting concept that God is all-powerful, and he's omniscient, he can do whatever he wants, and yet he's conquered by love. So we look at this, what is love? When you hear the word love, what does love mean to you? Uninterrupted and unmotivated service. So real love is selfless like a mother for a child, we would hope. Any? Huh? Yeah, unconditional action. So love is interesting because it's, we're all seeking love. It's one of our um, basic needs, right? We want to be loved and we want to love. And love and happiness kind of go hand in hand in some ways. Like when we are enveloped with love, we feel a sense of joy. That's the deepest pleasure that everyone in the world is seeking. A lot of what we do is to be loved, whether it's to be loved by a, a friend, a lover, or you know, parents, siblings, or even fans, right? People want to be adored. We talked about fame previously. And um, love kind of is part of that. There's some idea that People, fans love you, and that's one of the reasons people seek fame. <clears throat> In the Bible, this is a famous uh, quote or scripture verse. is from 1 Corinthians. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. So <clears throat> it's like one of the highest emotions that we can have. Um, my spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, said in a lecture, love is the willingness to serve someone else without any thought or expectation of something in return. It's unconditional, as we mentioned. You know, it's just, it's serving someone else, it's doing for someone else, thinking of them before us. And then, 
you know, there's other ways that we can look at love. So we have this need to to be loved, right? So there's this one theory that there's three stages of love in the material world. And then stage one is that I need to be loved. I want you to love me, so I'm going to act in such a way that it endears me to you, right? So then um, we're expecting that love to come from other people. And that's what we seek. Most of us, that's what we're seeking is um, we look for love, and love has a certain way of looking. We have these things that are called love languages, you know, and we can have different ways that we feel and express love. A majority of the people, it's service. Service is actually one of the love languages. Others are kindness, words of kindness. Um, Others are, like, uh, affection, touch, some, for some people, it's just quality time is a good love language. I think there's two more, but I can't think of them at the moment. So in these ways, we experience love and we give love, you know, through these kinds of actions. This love can be very conditional because it could be that if we don't fulfill these love languages for each other, we don't feel love for each other. It's not just there spontaneously. So it's conditional on, you know, if you do this for me or if you express kind words towards me, then I will love you or I will feel love from you. It's both ways. And that can easily go wrong, right? We can easily, somebody does something wrong, somebody, not that they do something wrong, but they do something that offends us or makes us feel bad, then we'd feel like they don't love us or we can not express love to them anymore. So it becomes very conditional. Stage two is that I'm not going to depend on anyone else for love. I'll just love myself. So we find that love within ourselves, but we don't express it to anyone else. We just work on finding love for ourselves. And... You know, we think of this, sometimes we think of, like, that self-care. Sometimes people think of self-care as pampering oneself, you know. um, So then we have this negative view of self-care because they think, oh, it's just someone who's just thinking only of themselves. Self-care is more than that. We know that. Um, It's taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. But a lot of times when we're focused on loving ourselves, we forget that second part so that we can take care of others. And that kind of love, if we're just trying to find love for ourselves, becomes very stagnant. It's not very fulfilling. Um, you know, there's only so far we can go with that because the truth is we all need each other. We have connections. We have relationships. And we have, we really, we crave that relationship. Because when we have this need to be loved and to love, it's not just within ourselves. It's important that we love ourselves and we find that love for ourselves because until we do, it's really hard to express love in an unconditional way to other people. So we can find this love for ourselves, but we shouldn't, we don't need to stop there. We want to expand that love, find that love for ourselves and have that love expand to everyone. And that brings us to stage three, which is that I am love itself. So that's where we really are realizing that 
we are spirit souls that, you know, part of being eternal beings full of bliss and knowledge is that we're also full of love because Krishna is all love and we're part and parcel of Krishna. Therefore, we're also part and parcel love, right? And that's what we're really seeking. And we realize this love is endless. It's limitless. Yeah. It could be compared, because this is from a material perspective, but it could be probably compared to um, the first stage of, it's the word is, uh, I'm like not thinking of it. Um, It's not Madhya Madhikari, it's not Uttamadhikari. It's the first stage where we're only focused on our own spiritual progression. Um, and that's important to do, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not minimizing that. But the important thing is to realize that that's not the final step. Because the final step is to serve, to spread love, right? To help others feel love as well. And so when you come to that third stage where you feel that you realize that love is endless, it's infinite, that there isn't a, a, a finite quantity, that if I love you and if I love George and if I love Steve <laughs> and Maternoth, then I can't, I don't have the capacity to love anyone else. And that's just not the way love works. It's the more you love, the more love grows. So it becomes more infinite. And that's something that's kind of inconceivable because there's nothing else really that is like that. A lot of our emotions are like that. Joy is like that, right? Joy is also infinite where you, there's not a finite amount, but the more you spread joy, the more joy you feel, and then the more joy you spread, and it just grows, and that's the same thing with love. And so that's where we want to be, is to see um, everyone is, is love, right? We see we're love, we love ourselves, and then we love everyone as an extension not of ourselves, but of Krishna, right? So we see the super soul in everyone's heart, and that's where we really want to come to. And the idea of this isn't that we go, oh, well, if I have pure love, then I can control Krishna. That's not really, again, that becomes conditional. That that puts a condition on it. It's just what happens, you know, and, um, and we see that on some small basis that when, you love someone, you're willing to do whatever for them. And sometimes we're willing to compromise a little bit of who we are for them. We wouldn't do that for anyone else. But, you know, especially for a parent and a child, you know, it's like you can see they'll do anything for the child, um, we would hope. And that um, they may even do things that, okay, well, I wouldn't normally do this, but they will go ahead and do it for the child. A lot of times we see that with um, parents, mothers that never really thought of themselves as becoming a mom. And, you know, it was not really something they they planned or they had seen themselves as. But as soon as they become a mother, they have a lot of affection and love towards their child. And, you know, they, they may have thought, that career was so important to them until the child came into play, 
And we, we see that a lot um, happening, you know. And the other times it's, you know, it's not saying that all moms have to quit working and take care of their children. It's that even when they go back to work, they have this sense of feeling of, you know, I want to be with my child. What's my child doing? What's going on with them? They, there's this constant worry that they never thought they would be, that would be part of their personality. And it's there. So that's how, that's how love works. It's automatically a way of, um, I don't want to say controlling someone, but it's a reciprocation. So Krishna reciprocates when we love him by, you know, giving us everything that we we ask for, whatever we ask for. In this case, Yudhishthira asked him to stay for a few more days when he'd already planned to go. And he said, okay, because you lovingly, he, you know, he says to King Yudhishthira, you lovingly asked, therefore I'm going to stay for a few days. And that's how love is, you know. And we've had that when we're visiting people sometimes, and they ask, well, can't you stay for another day? And and you do, because you, there's affection, and you want to stay. You hadn't originally planned. It may put you at a little bit of um, inconvenience. Like sometimes you have to rearrange some appointments or think about, okay, how can I stay one more day, extend your flight, things like that. So we do, we go through those kinds of inconveniences for people that we love and care about. In the Nectar of Devotion, it says, No one can understand Krishna as he is by the blunt material senses, but he reveals himself to the devotees, being pleased with them for their transcendental loving service unto him. So as we do more transcendental loving service towards Krishna, he reveals himself to us. And when he reveals himself to us, we feel more love towards him. Again, it's one of those infinite cycles. The more we find out about Krishna, the more we love him. The more we love him, the more we find out about Krishna. And so on and so forth. And we have to understand that that love also comes from Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita 10.10, Krishna says, To those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. So when we start to have this love and affection, Krishna automatically opens that well so that we can feel more love and affection and start to understand who Krishna is. And that's an important part. I know like a lot of times in our relationships we may feel like the other person doesn't understand us. You know, and it comes back down to the love languages. They don't they may not necessarily know what your love language is and speak the same love language. And so we feel like they don't understand us. But Krishna is saying that I'll give you that understanding. You just have to have the willingness to love, to love me, and serve me in that way. So it's really special because if you think about it, Krishna is God. God's all attractive. He's all, you know, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He has everything. There's nothing in this world, material world or spiritual world, that he doesn't have. You know, you often hear, what do you get, what do you, what kind of gift do you give someone who has everything? But the only thing that he wants is our love, and that's the only thing that, the only unique gift that we can give to Krishna is our love. Because I can say, well, I'm giving my love, but that love is different than the love that you give to Krishna. And he wants all the different types of love. He wants all of our loves. And he wants it to be given freely, so he's not going to, you know, put 
put a gun to my head, to your head and say, you must love me. That's not love, that's fear. And, you know, we often think fear, we often think hate is the opposite of love, but I say that fear is the opposite of love. Because when we, we either act out of love or we act out of fear. And when we act out of fear, it's more, you know, it's reactionary. We can hate out of fear. We can um, make wrong decisions out of fear. But when we're acting out of love, we're always thinking about the other person. We're thinking about Krishna. We're thinking about how to serve. And we're thinking about what's best for everybody. And that's when we act out of love. And so it's important that we make that distinction between love and fear. The other thing is sometimes we can think the opposite of fear is courage, but that courage comes from love. You know, we can have love be a source of strength. In this world, you know, everything is a perverted reflection of the, the spiritual world. And so love sometimes is looked upon as a weakness. Um, you know, we see these stories like, Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, he he burgos relationships because he sees love as being weakness. Expressing love, expressing kindness can be seen as a weakness. But we know it's actually the strongest position that we can have is to feel love for everyone. In Bhagavad Gita 647, Krishna says, Of all yogis, the one who, with great faith, who always abides in me, thinks of me within themselves and renders transcendental loving service to me, they are the most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. That's what we want to do. We want to serve Krishna. We want to love Krishna. We want to feel that love towards Krishna. And when you want to feel love towards someone, what's What's one way you can foster feelings of love towards someone? Serving them? How? Yeah. By loving them? How can you feel that love towards them, to love them? So he says one way we can foster love is to invite them, invite people into your homes, feed them, um, exchange gifts, right? You can exchange gifts, share confidentially. Really, it's getting to know a person, right? When you get to know them, then you can really feel love. It's hard to feel love for someone you don't know. We want to feel love for everybody, um, and we can get there, but in, in most cases, the way we feel love for people is to get to know them. So we get to know them by inviting them over, taking prashadam together. Prashadam is uh, sanctified holy foods that's been offered to Krishna, and then we enjoy it. Um, so we can eat a meal together. We can exchange gifts. Um, so those are some ways we can feel love for each other. So how do we feel love for Krishna as we get to know him? We can have meals with him. 
So we can read about him to get to know him. And that's important because, you know, well, one, he does say in Bhagavad Gita 9.26, if one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, a fruit, or water, he will accept it. And it's not the leaf, flower, fruit, or water that he's accepting. It's the love that he's accepting. So when we offer our uh, prepared foods, prepared meals to Krishna, and it becomes sanctified, it becomes holy, you know, when we sit down and we eat that prasadam, and we meditate on the fact that this is prasadam, and that, you know, we're enjoying this meal with Krishna, then we can get to know him on one level. Um, reading about him, you know, reading Srimad Bhagavatam, reading the Krishna book, reading all the stories about Krishna can help us get to love him, get to, you know, get to know him. We get to learn all about God and all his different names and all his different glories and pastimes. And in that way, we can also feel feelings of love towards Krishna. We can also serve who's dear to him. That's another great way to feel love for Krishna. Right? Um, I know that sometimes, like with some of my friends, you know, we get, we get to know our friends, we get to love our friends, and automatically we feel love towards their parents. I know that I do. I have one of my best friends. Um, we call each other's mom, like, mom. So I call her mom, mama too. My mom is mom one. So, you know, it's like that. Like, automatically, we feel love for the parents. And if we've, it's so that kind of same way, when we have love and affection for Krishna's devotees, we can also automatically feel love and affection for Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita 12.9, Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, this love of God is now dormant, is now in a dormant state in everyone's heart. And there, love of God is manifested in different ways, but is contaminated by material association. Now the heart has to be purified by the, of the material association, and that dormant natural love for Krishna has to be revived. That is the whole process. That's basically what we're doing, is reviving that dormant love that we have for Krishna. It's already there. <clears throat> so we're pulling it out from under, from inside of us. And we're clearing the path for it to come out freely. So it's not like we're having to work extra hard to feel the love. We just have to like let ourselves feel it, open ourselves up to feeling it. And of course that brings us to japa, because japa is always the best way to clear those um, the coverings of the love that we feel in our heart. So that it can freely flow out of us. So when we chant um, japa, which is mantra meditation of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, we can focus on love. Right? We can focus on you know, thinking about Krishna, um, thinking about his interactions with the other gopis, with the other gopas, um, with Radharani, in one sense, Krishna is love, but Radharani is the manifestation of his pure love. So if we look at, you know, we serve Radharani as well as Krishna, then we're serving love itself. 
So she's like the mother of love. And then in Bhagavad Gita 9.34, Krishna says, Engage your mind in always thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisances to me and worship me. Being completely absorbed in me, surely you will come to me. This is Sometimes in some ways, I often think this is one of my favorite verses because it's just like dripping with love. You know, think of me. Um, be devoted to me. Offer obeisances to me. Worship me. I mean, Krishna is just basically asking for our love straight out. He's not mincing any words here. He's not being shy or coy about it. He's just asking for our love. And so, you know, when we love someone, we, we want to um, please them. And just loving him pleases Krishna. So that is our goal in life. So I'll end here. What questions do you have for me? So the question is that um, when we're chanting our japa, is it better to think of, you know, just focusing on the mantras themselves or to um, focus on the, the pastimes artificially since we don't really have full expression of our love for Krishna yet? And I would say whichever gets you to chant more attentively. Um, I know for me, my mind wanders anyway, and so it's harder for me to concentrate on the syllables themselves. So I always have to use different tricks to focus on Krishna, whether it's, you know, engaging in a conversation with him about how to serve him or focusing on pastimes that are, that are meaningful to me. So it's not necessarily that we have to focus on, you know, the Rasa Leela pastime, but we can focus on, you know, how Krishna plays with the cows or how Krishna plays with his um, cowherd friends and eats, you know, they, they're eating prasadam together and they steal each other's prasadam off the plates um, or lifting Govardhan Hill. You know, there's so many different pastimes that we can think of that can help foster our love, especially when we think of Krishna as a baby because it's easier to feel love for a baby um, when they're doing mischief than it is someone who's older who's doing mischief. Um, so, you know, thinking about Krishna and how he steals the butter and feeds them to the monkeys and is always getting to these little mischievous scenarios, then, you know, that also can help foster that love. So ideally, you know, you want to focus just on the syllables and really concentrate on that. But the reason we're doing that is to feel love for Krishna. So we don't also want to be mechanical and just focusing on the syllables. We want to realize that this is our way of connecting to Krishna. And how we can connect is the best way we can connect. Sometimes we get together with friends and we connect by reminiscing on pastimes. Uh, especially when you get together with family. You know, your mom might start sharing stories about how things you did when you were a child, you know, and it helps her to build affection. I'm sitting right there, and it's like, why are you talking about memories of me when I was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and I'm right here? But that's 
some ways that we express love with each other is reminiscing. So that is also correct, that when we focus on the names themselves, the pastimes will automatically be revealed to you. And I can say to that, that for me, that's very difficult, because um, my mind just wanders. And if I'm not intentionally, you know, redirecting my thoughts to some thoughts of Krishna, I'm going to start thinking about, I've got to get my oil changed, and you know, get the car washed, and I've got to clean the house, and then what am I going to make for breakfast? And, you know, it's like all these thoughts come. So those are my spontaneous thoughts. So instead of just saying, okay, I know that this is the way we want it to be, is that they reveal themselves, but my mind wanders. So how can I at least be thinking about Krishna during this time that I'm connecting with him? So the question is that um, Queen Kunti, when she was speaking to Krishna, it seems her intention was just to glorify Krishna, and it wasn't to ask him to stay. And I think that's correct. She was just, you know, as he was heading out, she just wanted to express love and appreciation and glorify him. And, you know, King Yudhisthira took that one step further and said, hey, stay for a few days more. I'm sure, I don't know, I haven't looked, I haven't read, I mean, I've read it before, but I don't have to look back and see if they're, if they're in this chapter, but I'm sure they're somewhere. Prayers, you know. A lot of times, the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's voluminous, but it's also a summary. So not everything is included, but enough is included. Like, we get the overall gist of the story. But we can imagine that he, you know, King Yudhisthira also praised Krishna and then asked him to stay. So, we'd have to look ahead. Any other questions? 